Okay, so we're going to start session two of launching foster care ministry. But for those of you who weren't in our last session, I'll just introduce myself real quick. And Katie, I'm Paris Yano. I'm the director of Father's Heart Ministry at the Ohio Ministry Network. And Father's Heart is a ministry to connect Christians to care for vulnerable children and families. So we're helping our churches develop a, a ministry to wrap around vulnerable children and families. And Katie works for Coalition of Care, and she works with the Church Multiplication Department of Coalition of Care. And so uh, we're just going to jump right in. One thing I did want to mention, how many of you are familiar with CAFO? It's a Christian Alliance for Orphans. Okay. Well, this is a great resource. Katie mentioned it in one of her classes, but you may not have been there. Um, it's CAFO.com is the dot website. Org. What? Dot oh. Org. Oh, .org. I'm sorry. CAFO.org. And it's Christian Alliance for Orphans. And they are actually having a conference coming up um, in May. It's uh, the second week in May. It's like the 8th through the 10th. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, I went last year for the first time, and I was blown away. This was one of the best conferences I think I have ever been to. But you can learn so much about uh, orphan care ministry, foster care ministry, the whole thing. It is just very inspiring, and it is a great conference to attend. So you can check it out. 5,000 people who have the heart for an orphan, and everywhere from international to pastors to yeah. parents people who are like, what do I do now? Yeah, so it's incredible. And if you just go to the website, they have all kinds of resources for foster parents. They have resources for churches. Um, so it's a great, great tool to have. And we usually try to get all the Assemblies of God people together there so you can see what's happening in other states. Mm -hmm. We do, yeah. So just a little plug there. So let's jump into phase two because we got a lot to cover here, huh? So uh, launching foster care ministry part two. So last uh, session we talked about the problem and we talked about the heavenly mandate to the human problem, right? And then we also talked about uh, engaging, right? And so we talked about there were three tiers of levels of involvement. You know, the first one is more material needs that you're supplying the need for. The second one was uh, more uh, wraparound services. And then the third one was being a foster parent or a respite caregiver. Well, uh, we're going to go more in depth, but so you may say, well, oh, how do we start this at our church? Like, what do we do? So we're going to get into that now. The first thing you want to do is phase one is you have to have the pastor, pastor's endorsement. Pastoral endorsement is so important. You want to make sure your pastor is on board, that your pastor is willing to promote this, that your pastor has a heart for it, you know, which... They do. I tell you what. I've been talking to pastors. They do sometimes. Pastors. They they do have a heart for this. So what is my past? What if my pastor doesn't seem to be interested or doesn't seem to care? Things you should do. Number one is pray. <laughs> be prayerful. Pray. Pray for a move. A movement. Don't push an agenda. What you don't want to do is just push this agenda. You want to pray. Pray. The second thing is be faithful. Lead by example. Do what you can do. 
you know, uh, maybe you can say, oh, there's a vulnerable family in our church, a, a foster family. Well, I'll start seeing how I can help them. You know, do lead by example. Do what you can do. Maybe you don't have any foster families in your church, but you can connect to your foster care agency in your community and see ways that you can volunteer or help. And, you know, just like me, like I volunteer for Franklin County Children's Services. I have a little girl that I mentor. And just like in conversation with people, it will come up sometimes. And then I've had people say, well, how can I do that? You know, and it just sparks interest, you know. You never know. So when you start and then you start sharing your story, other people may want to join in, you know. So the next thing you can do is be humble, okay. Don't try to implement something good in your church by pointing out, what's bad in it. You know, you don't want to do that. You want to be committed to serving the vision and the mission of your church. You want to make sure you're in line with the vision and the mission of your church. So be humble. Next, be helpful. Don't use your information about the ministry as ammunition against your pastor. <laughs> but you want to use it as encouragement. You want to use it as encouragement. And then next, be patient. You know, sometimes it just takes time. Don't expect things to change overnight. So sometimes it just takes a little bit of time. And the next thing is, you know what? Flip the assumption. Because uh, most of the time, your pastor really does care. But he just doesn't know what to do. You know, so you flip the assumption. You may think, oh, he just doesn't care. But no, when you say he just doesn't care, that places the responsibility on your pastor to care, right? But if you flip the responsibility and say, well, maybe he does care. He probably does care, but he just doesn't know what to do. Or he's just got too much going on. He's too overwhelmed. Well, when you do that, it flips the responsibility to you. Because now you can help your pastor to understand. You know what I'm saying? So, and ways you can do that, ways that you can help your pastor is providing proof of the concept. You can say, you can show, you can tell him about churches that are doing this and that are successful in doing this kind of ministry. You know, so you show him proof like, hey, others are doing this, you can do it. Next, uh, you know, have a plan. Come to them with a plan. Because, you know, what? pastors are so busy. They're not going to be able to come and think up all this. They're not going to be able to lead this. But if you have a plan, and then... Do you have any lead pastors in the room? We do. Yeah, what? Two? Oh, two, yeah. John and Mike, yeah. And then next... Uh, do you guys agree? Are these good points? Yeah, very good points. Yeah. Are you guys busy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit, huh? Yeah, I I know. My husband's a pastor, you know, he was a pastor of a church, but and then uh you wanna like communicate to the pastor the big picture how this can fit into the vision and the mission of the church. You wanna show them how it can be a part, you know, of the vision and mission that's already there. Uh so then, you know, once you get the pastor's endorsement you want the pastor needs to appoint a person that would be the point person for this ministry. You know, appoint somebody to be the lead of your foster care ministry. If you're bringing it to your pastor, it's probably you. Yeah, yeah, most likely it will be you, yeah, if you're bringing it to your pastor. 
So uh, be prepared. Yeah, so um, usually when God lays a burden on your heart, you know, he's calling you to do it, right? So, um, you know, you want somebody in the church to be appointed as the, um, the leader of the foster care ministry or whatever you call it. You don't have to call it foster care ministry. You could call it father's heart ministry or whatever, you know. And then the next thing is uh, you want to recruit a family advocate. Um, a family advocate is somebody who can work closely with foster families to find out their needs and then connect the resources in your church to those needs. So um, a lot of times in smaller churches, the leader might be the family advocate, the leader of the ministry. In larger, big churches, you probably want to have two separate people, you know, to do that. But um, the family advocate has either experience adopting, fostering, or in the foster care world, like yeah. or, or a costume. Right. Those are, you know, those are good people if you have those available in your church. People who have gone through the process before are great family advocates. You know, a lot of times foster families, um, I know how it is, they won't, uh, they won't ask for anything. You know, a lot of them are givers. They, they're givers. They're servers. And they're not going to say, well, you know, I'm stressed out to the max. I need, you know, this or that. But a family advocate who's working closely with that family and saying, hey, you know, how can we pray for you this week? Hey, how um, how you doing as far as, you know, um, running the kids around to all the appointments and stuff? How's that going? You know, could you use somebody to help drive? Or, you know, just you could, the family advocate is kind of like does intervention, you know, helps the family and um, is that spokesperson for the family to the church. So they can connect them to maybe people in the church who would be able to provide transportation or connect them to a babysitter or connect them say to the care ministry could take them a meal if they're going through a real stressful time or the prayer team you know so the family advocate so phase two then is do a community study so the leader of the foster care ministry you want you need they need to do a community study so you think well why do you have to do a community study well the why is because of collaboration you need to see what agencies are out there that can foster um, give foster care and adoption licenses you know the tr does the training you need to see what services are out there as far as counseling and support services for kids who have experienced trauma um, just explore the different agencies that are available that could help families that are foster families um, so for collaboration also you want to see who else out there is doing this so you can work together you know in some ways uh, the other reason is awareness you want to be aware of what's out there so that you'll be able to tell others right and then communication you want to be able to communicate what's out there and just resources that's what I, I said just having the resources it's very powerful to sit down with children's services in your county and say, what do you need? Mm -hmm. if, we, if I was a genie and I could give you something, what do you need? Nine out of 10 times it's gonna be foster families. But the second thing that comes is interest, always interesting. Mm -hmm. We found out they needed Christmas presents for kids in residential. Mm -hmm. We weren't expecting that and that's an easy one for the church to work yeah. on. Mm -hmm. So, but every county's gonna be different. Yeah. 
Um, but if you're not collaborating, you'll never know their Right. Names. And it's so good to build that relationship with them, you know. Um, Stephanie, would you mind sharing real quick? I mean, I just love the story of your church at, yeah. Um, Tell them what you guys we did. We took our kids to reach conferences here. And the kids made backpacks for foster care agencies. So I asked, I said, do you mind if I take 20 backpacks um, to give to foster kids? Um, we're a foster family, and so they're like, make sure your foster kid gets one. So I made sure Demir got one. The baby, I didn't do it. Um, so I took 19 backpacks to our foster care agency that week. And when I walked in, I said, hey, our church wants to bless you guys with 19 backpacks to give your kids. And she just started sobbing. And I said, what? She's like, stuff. I was just praying for 19 backpacks to come in. Yeah. And so our church Such a God thing. So we are now... Um, in the next couple months, going to start again doing a whole bunch of backpacks for the kids that are going to be going to school with foster kids. So that way they have a nice backpack, they have nice school supplies when they come into the care as well. So. So I just love that. Look how God works, you know. That's putting God on display, right? Seeing how he provides in such a practical way. That is just so awesome. So three key questions you want to ask is, one, is the status of foster care in the community? Okay, the number of foster children in your, in your county. Okay, how many foster kids are in your county? Do you know that? Uh, the number of children waiting to be adopted in your county. Another thing is the number of licensed foster homes in your county. I had a county call me and say, you know, we have 50 kids right now in foster care in our county. We have four licensed foster families. Four. So they said well, the pretty typical stuff. Yeah, the the case where the, the, the contact person was telling me we're having to ship these kids all over the place because we don't have enough homes for these kids, you know. Can you can you help, you know? So, you know, praise God. I went to a church in that county, spoke, and do you know I mean they did like a stand Sunday thing that Sunday? It was incredible. They had set and this is a church of like three hundred, it wasn't that big. I mean, it was a pretty good size, but um, they had seven people in their congregation now that are going through the foster care licensing system. That's seven more families. I mean, that's, that's incredible. So it's important to know that. Um, and then you want to know the current number of biological family units represented from children in foster care. Um, let's see. That's it. Okay. Some of the sibling sets of kids in foster care can reach nine to 15. Yeah, it's crazy. Say of some moms who every year yeah. have another one. Right. So, and then um, the, these are some great websites that can give you some of those stats. Um, you know, I just listed those there for you. You can look over those. You know, the Public Children's Services Association of Ohio. I put the website there. Um, Children Count Data Center. Um, if you go to those, those are great resources where you can get some of those numbers from. Uh, some of it you might have to call and ask your county, you know, as you're speaking to them. So who are the stakeholders uh, providing services in your community? That's another question you want to answer. Uh, what is the readiness level of your church to serve the foster care crisis in the community? And so I've given you guys a sample of a church assessment. Um, it was one of those pages I passed out. Uh, this is a great maybe uh, 
thing that you can go over and you can just rate your church how you would rate, you know, as your readiness for foster care. Um, here it is, the church assessment. And these are really fun to do. At my church, we gave it to all the pastors. I have a bigger church, we have about 10 pastors. And our senior and adult lead pastors all thought we were getting fives across the board. Our kids and youth pastors were putting them closer to ones. Yeah, so you know what? I mean, it's good to maybe have a variety of people fill this out to get a good picture, you know, of like your where your church is at in this. Um, and and it, we do it in a year. Yeah. It, yeah, and you could, yeah, that's a great tool to see how far you've come in a year, you know, do it again. But, and it will just show you, it give you a good idea of places maybe where you need to, to get better, and, and it'll give you an idea of what you are doing good. So that's that. Um, so you want to develop a ministry structure. So uh, you want to develop a vision, okay? When you, when you write down a vision, two questions that provide framework for your vision are, what do you want to see happen? And what steps do you need to take in order to make those things happen? So like for Father's Heart, our vision is to see... Okay, yeah, <laughs> if I need to repeat it, I can. Okay, the first one is, what do you want to see happen? And the second one is, what steps do you need to take in order to make those things happen? Okay, so what steps do you need to take? So, like the Father's heart, the vision is for every child in Ohio to be in a family experiencing the loving uh, uh, the love and care of Jesus Christ, or the love of Jesus Christ. So that's the, our vision, is to see every child in a family. And like we talked about the last session, uh, it's doable. There's, there's counties in Texas where there's more homes waiting for kids than kids waiting for homes. And I just believe with all my heart we're going to see that in Ohio. We're going to see every county in a position where there's more homes waiting for kids than kids waiting for homes. I can just see it happening. So uh, that's vision. It is important that your vision is clear. You want it to be clear. Clarifying vision and values and your focus is essential to long-term effectiveness and sustainability of your mission. So you want to make sure your vision is clear when you're communicating it. You want to make sure. Okay, Habakkuk 2.2 says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write down the vision and make it plain, right, on tablets, that he may run who reads it. So we want people to be able to run with this. We want it to be clear. So when you present your vision, you want to answer, why are we doing it? So you want people to know why you're doing this, which we covered the last session, huh? And then secondly, I guess I need to slow down maybe. Secondly, how are we going to do it? So people, you may present the vision and they're thinking, oh, how in the world are we going to do this? So you want to be able to communicate how you're going to do it. And then third, what are we going to do? So what are we going to do? When the vision is clear, 
there is decreased anxiety. It's just like when you're, uh, you know what, when you have your GPS, you know, you're doing good. When, uh, when my GPS goes goofy and stuff, all of a sudden I can get real anxious if I don't know <laughs> where I'm going, right? Well, that's how it is. Clear vision gives you less anxiety. All right, and you, just because your church should do something, uh, or I mean, just because your church can do something, doesn't always mean they should. So you got to figure out, okay, what is it that God wants us to do? What should we do? So, yeah. So you want to scale down your vision, set goals that are achievable. You know, um, examples are, and like Katie said last time, start with just one of those boxes, you know, on that, on that, that uh, tier, you know. Start with just one. You don't have to start huge. Start simple, you know. So it could be this year, our goal, our vision is to, this year we want to start a respite night for foster families and we want to have a stand Sunday. That could be your, your, your thing for this year. You know, it could be this year we want to have Stand Sunday. We want to see one uh, family licensed in our church to become foster parents. And we want to see a support team wrap around that family. You know, that could be your vision. So it just depends. Every church, it's going to be different because every church is different, you know. So it just depends on where you're at. A visionary sees what does not yet exist but communicates as if it does. You know, um, so let's see, strategy. What steps you will need to take to accomplish your vision? You need to decide uh, what steps you're going to take, which we went over. Decide who will do what. So you got to decide who will do what. And you want to make a timeline. And I put some uh, dates in your notes that are real helpful. So April is National Child Abuse Month. So you might in April want to have a blue Sunday. Advertise a blue Sunday where everybody, you could have. When you're supposed to abuse yourself. Yeah, right. It's just bringing awareness. It's just bringing awareness. But um, you know, in the month of, of April, you might have a blue Sunday where everybody coming to church that day gets a blue ribbon to put on them. You know, just a reminding of the crisis we have with with abuse. You know, and you might have somebody share a testimony about you know their life and that that has experienced that and have uh, God has healed them. You know, there's different things you can do. So May is National Foster Care Month. So uh, you could do something for your foster families that month, you know, just an idea. June, uh, we have Royal Family Kids Camp, which is a camp where, uh, for foster kids, specifically for foster kids. So you might say, hey, our church wants to sponsor a kid to go to Royal Family Kids Camp this, this year. It's also a one-on-one ratio or a one-to-two ratio. Yeah. So every camper has a grown-up. Yeah, and oh, we got to hurry here. Okay, and so then August, you can read the rest. August, November, though, November, do not miss out on November. It's Stand Sunday. If your church can do a Stand Sunday in November, that's awesome. You can read the rest. So some models that we have here. I have to make a slide for the complicated. Oh, that's okay. So like a model we have is you have the foster adoptive family in the middle, 
And then you have like your prayer team, your family advocate, um, you have your foster care team, you have the meals team. So the family advocate is really connecting ministries that are already in your church maybe to the foster family, you know. That's, um, that's just a model. So the mission explains the overall purpose of the organization. What you do, for whom you do it, and uh, who benefits from it. Oh boy. And then we have to develop, num- the next thing is that you have to develop a leadership team and structure. So uh, here you have the pastor is at the bottom of the triangle there because He's not going to do a whole lot, but he's going to support it. He's going to emphasize it. He's going to put his stamp of authority on it. Yes, this is what our church wants to do. This is what this is a mandate from God. You know, he can preach sermons on it. He can do whatever, but he is the cheerleader for it. You know, he's the supporter of it. Then you have your staff pastors. You want your staff pastors to be the same way, cheerleading it in their departments where their pastor is over. Then you have your point person, which is going to be doing more. They're overseeing the whole thing. Yeah. And then, um, you know, your team leaders. And then you, the team leaders could be like your care team that's providing meals for families or somebody that's organizing babysitters or somebody that's organizing transportation or whatever. So people that are on your team, that, that support team. And you have your workers and you have your uh, foster adoptive families. And then I did give you a sheet that you can look over later that has like job descriptions. And that's just a sample if you... Um, if you didn't get one, I have them. Yeah. So, uh, there you go. Yeah. So, I'll put them here if you didn't get them. Then you can pick one up. But, uh, so those are just samples of job descriptions. And now I'm going to turn it over to Katie. And i gotta, we got to switch the mic. I know we're trying. Sorry, I took so long. That's okay. It's important stuff. Yeah. All right. No worries. Phase three. My blanks are all on the slides. Um, launch, let's see, a foster care ministry awareness campaign. Super. Share stories. Introduce leaders and cast vision. Your ministry is not going to be very successful if nobody knows about it. <laughs> I had a family uh, adult ministry leader lunch at my church. I We stood around and shared what we did in adult ministries. Most of us didn't know the other people were even leading ministries in our church. And I shared about our support group, and we had one of our other leaders go, we came to this church because we saw foster care stuff on the website, but we had no idea you had a support group. Now we make sure once a month it's in our bulletin. Because we don't know when we're going to miss somebody. And we didn't know they had adopted. Because their kids kind of look like them. Um, B. Why are we doing it? What are we going to do? Which square from the grid are we going to do to invest in? So the practical stuff. Am I in your way? How are we going to do it? 
and make sure people have an action step. Because if you go, we're going to do great things and we're going to help foster kids and orphans and we're going to make God so happy. Thanks, everybody. Bye. They're going to be like, yeah, we're just going to go out to lunch. Where do you want to eat? Because they don't have the next plan. Paris, we're missing a page. Oh, that was all I had. So you can write the rest on your Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can write the rest on the back. Okay, foster families. Anybody in here a foster parent who has homemade kids that came before their foster kids? Okay, so getting 36 to 50 some hours of training when you have children in your home is super easy to get babysitters for that amount of time, right? So... We do foster care trainings in our churches. We all have space. We have a room somewhere that can accommodate people in our churches if you have a building. If you don't have a building, find one. Um, <laughs> can use mine. Um, we do the foster care parent pre-placement trainings. We bring the agency in. They train the people on how to become foster parents. Meanwhile, their kids are being loved on down in the nursery. We do Wednesday night regular scheduled family ministry at our church. So we do foster care pre-placement training classes on Wednesday nights. Our classes are three hours long. Our ministry is an hour and a half. We just get a couple child care workers for that first hour and the last half hour. We feed everybody dinner. Our adults get real food. The kids get pizza every week because we know they'll eat it. And juice boxes. Um, with we get one church we met in they were a small group focused church most of the church was involved in a small group a different small group took training every week small group people provided child care and the other small group people provided the food we had some delicious home cooked food every Wednesday people come from work get their meals their kids are loved they become foster parents in the process because it's a lot of hours, or people do them in weekend classes where it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, eight hours of training a day. If you don't have a grandma or grandpa nearby, that is really hard to do. Also, people like to eat. You cannot do the pre-placement online in Ohio. You can some places. I just found that out yesterday. Um, volunteers need to get trained and approved to make sure that all those areas are covered. We talked about that last class a little bit. Phase four. Sorry, I seriously don't know where your notes are. <laughs> Find that volunteer to support. So, pretend we're all standing at the edge of a lake and there's a dock that goes out into 20 feet of water. And we pick somebody and we go, jump, 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 jump. So we want them to jump in the water and they jump in the water and we all cheer and go, great job. But did anybody see if they knew how to swim? Did anybody bring a life jacket? Did anybody have a buoy to throw out to them or a ring? That's what we do to foster parents when we do big events like Orphan Sunday and we don't back it up. We ask them to jump off the deep end to bring their family in there with them and then they don't back it up. Most foster parents quit in the first year. If you have a church with 100 families in it, 
you do a stand Sunday, ten about ten families will step forward and say, we will become foster families. Out of that, one or two of them will get two of them will get license. One of them will take a kid. That's statistically what we see, because it's hard. The process is hard. It's grueling. Stuff comes up. Jobs change. Children appear. Small groups for periodic events and activities for families. My church, once a month in the summer, and then quarterly the rest of the year, we get all of our foster and adoptive families together. We have somebody in our church who has a pool in their backyard. We all meet at their house, do a potluck, and go swimming. We put life jackets on the kids before we tell them to jump. Um, but it's great to look at them and go, hey guys, do you realize that everybody in this pool is adopted? And they're like, what? What? Like, they don't even necessarily realize it, but it's cool because some kids love being adopted, some kids not so much. They all have feelings about it. Attend conferences if possible. You're here, you're doing great. Ohio Ministry Network is going to have more stuff, more research sources we are building. We're a year out with a father's heart, and the fact that we have four classes here today is awesome. We're going to keep going on that track. I do this full-time I'm available to you if you ever need any help with anything. I do a full day training for all the, the church staff on how to do this, where we actually sit down and people create their model in the training. That's what I do for fun. Um, network with community resources. Paris covered some of that. Track and train. We at the Ohio Ministry Network want to know if you have foster families. We want to know if you're doing anything. We want to be able to say Paris should stay on staff and in 20 or 30 or 40 years when she decides to retire, we want to be able to go, she is worth replacing with a staff person. Bless you. We need numbers with that just like any other ministry. Please track it. Paris is going to send out a survey to all lead pastors every year. Make sure your pastors know what's going on. Don't make them make the decisions. Don't drag them into it. Don't copy them on every email. But every once in a while go, hey, did you know the Kelly family just got licensed? Did you know the Robertsons just took in two kids? Things like that. Pastors want to know. They love their people. Recruit, recruit and equip annually. This is not a one and done. Because this might be the right year for some families but it might not be the right year for other families. We also put it out there because we want our young adults, our um, newly married people, our dating people, we want this in the fabric of their faith so when they're making decisions about their family, they're already thinking about kids that need homes. And they're already talking about that. We, do, we talk about this with our youth. We talk about this with our kids. And we do it as often as we can. Annually at the least is what I would say. And then multiply. Most churches network with other churches. Tell them what you're doing. Because the Bible tells us that we all should be doing this. So we got to help each other out. Again, that's Paris and my information. If you want us, we are available to you 24-7 except for when we're sleeping. <laughs> or if it's our day off. Yes. Or if we're busy. <laughs> Right, so uh, we wanna, We have about five minutes that we can... Uh, I went fast. You did great, yeah. She told me to go fast and I just <laughs> ran through so there. we could answer questions if you guys have any questions. Um, for those of you who uh, 
We're here last. I told you they were cute. In your step is a bookmark, the Father's Heart bookmark, but on the back is a picture of a child that is waiting to be adopted right now. So if you would just uh, remember to pray for that child. Um, put that bookmarker in your Bible and you can pray for that child. Right now we have 3,000 kids in Ohio that are just waiting to be adopted. So we need to pray for that before we do that. All right, does anybody have any questions? I know we threw like a whole lot of information at you guys. We've tried to put as much as we can. If you want more, come to the three-day conference. Yeah. It's like a fire hose on steroids. Yeah. This year it's in Louisville, which is the closest to Ohio I've ever seen it. Yeah. Louisville, Unless Kentucky. you live in northern Ohio, then Chicago would have been closer. Mm -hmm. But I live in Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Does anybody? On page five, I missed the blanks. <laughs> Top two blanks. You know, okay. I have to look at page five. Okay. It was. Hold on. It was decide who will do what and timeline. Is that it? Decide who will do what and timeline. Is that the right ones? All right, any other questions? Anything? Um, oh. Do you, I mean, because you guys adopted children and everything, so would you ever turn down anything from church, family, you know, gifts, or? Okay. I no. Yeah. We're going to go home, we're going to find this one family that's in their church. If I can't use it, I will quietly pass right. on another family. Yeah. I don't know. For us, it was always a big blessing. It was always just a encouragement that we had support and people around us. And you can either do, I've seen churches create forms of things that, you know, what sizes are you in? Do you have any allergies, food preferences, things like that? Mm -hmm. But just tell them what you're doing. You know, people go, you want a box of clothes? Yes. <laughs> what do you think? I would appreciate that spe more specific questions. Because if you come mm -hmm. and say, Misty, what do you need? I'm going to say, oh, we're good. Right. No. Yeah. Right. right. Say, hey, I have cards here. Or give, yeah, you know, would you, would you fill these cards out? Or right. if you go, Misty, I'm going to buy you a $100 gift card to a store. Would, do you want Target, Walmart, or Amazon? Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, what's a restaurant your family enjoys eating in? Ask them, don't give them an open ended question. Yeah. Right, yeah. You want it to be specific. What night works for you? When you only have the mm -hmm. It's not yeah. open ended, it's multiple choice. I mean, this family just came into our church. Um, he's Mr. Hall. I don't know if you guys remember the shooting in Chardon. Um, oh. Charging high school. Yeah. But he's the guy that um, fostered seven children. And um, hmm. so they've been coming to our church. And so I was like, how do we help, you know, this family? Because that's what we're supposed to do. We're right. Yeah. Parenting is hard. Foster yeah. parenting is harder. Well, they mm -hmm. adopt all of them. It's yeah. still harder. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. So, I just wanted yes. to make sure you get, you know, like, how do we go about? Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to hurt 
Right. Yeah. As long as you're doing it into the context of we love you, we love yes. your family, yes. and we want to help you fulfill your mandate, your the calling on your life. I wouldn't be like, no. oh, we feel sorry for oh, you. No. Don't do it. No. <laughs> you could do that for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Does anybody else have any questions? No. All right. Well, then let's pray and uh, thank God, huh? Father God, we just thank you again that you are just so good, Lord, and you are such a great and uh, gracious Heavenly Father. And Lord, I just thank you for each person here. Lord, I pray that you would just continue to guide and direct them, Father God, and their journey in this, Father God. And I pray, Heavenly Father, for those children in our state that are uh, without families right now. Lord, we lift them up to you, and we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would raise up families, God, godly families, to take care of these children and to show them your love. And we just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thanks, you guys.